Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Partnership is a marriage with someone else and we want to be aligned and we also want to be transparent with our financial situation and their financial situation. So that you're not jumping in and then finding out later there's a hitch in there and somebody's finances aren't going to work for that deal. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff with us today. Jeremy and Anne-Marie Sheldon, how you two doing? Great. Thank you so much for having us on the show, Joe. Yes, Joe. Thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to be on the show with you. Well, it's my pleasure. And just behind the scenes, best ever listeners, I called in eight minutes late to this interview and they were waiting very patiently for me. So I appreciate both of your patience and I'm looking forward to diving in. My last interview went a little long. Jeremy recently retired as an Air Force pilot after 24 years of service. First off, sir, thank you for your service. I respect what you did for our country, you and your colleagues. Thanks, Joe. Much appreciated. So honored to have served our great nation and just a blessing to be part of that team. Anne-Marie is a licensed physical therapist. They're both commercial real estate investors, actively and passively. They focus on apartments. In fact, let's talk about their portfolio. They started out with a single family rental that they took full cycle in 2015. And they're currently passive investors in over 2,000 doors. And they're independent general partners on a 12-unit and a 5-unit locally where they live in New York. They live in Grand Island, New York, which is close to Niagara Falls and Buffalo, New York. So with that being said, you two want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your backgrounds and your current focus? Yeah. Like I say, you kind of hit it there with our backgrounds, with me coming out of the Air Force. And Anne-Marie is a physical therapist, and then she also helps teach our kids at home. So we've got a busy home with six blessings. But our big focus really is to grow our portfolio, as many of your listeners are doing. So we joined a program in 2019 and got into some limited partnerships. And Which program? Seen, it was uh, the Summer Rock program. Okay. And then we've also had some personal coaching with uh, Anna Kelly. And then we're also part of a, a mastermind. So that's probably one of our main points is we've wanted to just focus on educating ourselves in this space. We're both professionals and we feel that education is 
very important. That probably qualifies some of our best ever advice. And then, like I say, we've limited partners in about five deals across uh, Arizona, Texas, you know, Florida. Just saw one go full cycle and gave us a significant returns. We're very happy. Nice. And, Congrats. And then we also wanted to get our hands dirty a little bit with working with property management and just getting into the weeds of, of managing our own properties. So that's why we got involved with the 12 unit and the five unit here in New York, just to make sure we kind of understand the full aspects of the commercial real estate really before we felt comfortable going and trying to do a syndication and uh, taking other investors' money. We wanted to be able to make sure we understood all aspects of it. So Long-term goal is to get into syndications, but we feel it's a process of moving that forward and to grow our assets to a point where we kind of have a long-term vision of growing that asset and then being able to start a retreat center. And we won't get into that, but that's to minister and give back. You were passively investing in deals and then you decided to do some active deals. That's 12 unit and a six unit. what did you think of that process? Well, it was great to see the passive deals first and also to interact with a lot of different investors and learn through that. We could see that we were lacking in the understanding of asset management. So with the 12 unit, when we jumped in, the first thing we were doing once you close the deal, right, the work begins, we started doing our CapEx projects. So that was a great learning experience because our property management company is helping us run that 12 unit. but as far as the large projects like the parking lot, LED lighting, things like that, we really wanted to oversee that. We wanted to get the bids from the contractors and really be hands-on in that process. So that was a great learning experience there just to kind of understand what it's like to work with contractors, what it's like to get into these bigger projects, what the money is going to be and how that's going to improve you know, the NOI and the value of the property. So that was one big learning experience for us in the beginning. What did you learn from working with contractors? Learned a couple of different things. Sometimes it's straightforward, right? And other times, one issue we've really run into is it's a 12 unit. So when you've got a contractor, like for a parking lot, maybe they're a commercial contractor doing parking lots, they're looking for that mall parking lot, right? Mm -hmm. That large institutional parking lot. And you've got a good size parking lot, much bigger than residential. So you're not falling in that category but you're not exactly falling in the commercial category fully. So it's not a big enough deal for some, but it's too large of a deal for others. Mm -hmm. So we found that sometimes the 12 unit was falling in that situation. For example, the stairs going into the building need to be replaced. But in order to do that, that's concrete work. That's removing concrete and that's building specific molds to go back to replace like kind with like kind. So we don't have to pull a permit and do a lot of different changes. Well, we find the contractors are wanting to do their regular molds they have for residential, or if they're commercial concrete, they want to do the big parking lot, right? So that's been a big struggle and a labor shortage too, because a lot of times they don't have the workers that they used to have. Mm -hmm. So they're getting backed up as well. So we got through about 10 to 12 concrete folks, and I think we finally have landed on somebody that can do the work for us next spring. Wow. Um, but it, it's been a, a struggle, like you say, with COVID and the, the labor shortage. And there's not a lot of folks out there that want to do concrete. And that are out there are so busy, a little job like we've got doesn't work for them. I heard you say that you've got a property management company, but you wanted to invest time working on the CapEx. But 
wouldn't your property management company have a contact that you could work with? In fact, they did. They had about two contacts. One of them stood us up. We came to the property, <laughs> didn't show. And I got in touch with the owner of the property management company. And he goes, I got stood up as well. We dropped him from our list. So then we went on to the next person and they were too busy at the time. So I think that was the situation. We went through so many. Actually, I think that was a situation where they couldn't do those particular molds because these are very unique stairs with a very narrow driveway. So you can't use a standard residential step mold. You're going to have to do something customized. So no, we had a wall with the property management company trying to find someone. So we just continue to go off contacts and off leads from other people. We jumped into the details quickly, which is great. But if we can take a half step back just to get a little perspective on the 12 unit, what'd you buy it for and how'd you find it? We found it through a local broker here in town commercial. We acquired it at 60 a door, which is pretty decent for this area. And it's an all bills paid unit. So that was also a little bit into our factor. Location is what really drove it. It's in a suburb of Southern Buffalo. And it's right on a main street. And essentially the crime and the schools, the high school is just down the streets and nine out of 10. And it had been on the market for about a year and the street appeal, the previous owners were pretty much doing everything themselves. So the street appeal was probably not good. So we were able to work a pretty good deal. They were asking 750 and we got it for 720. Okay. How long ago was this? We consider ourselves COVID closers. So as the wave of COVID was coming across the world, we closed in March of 20. Wow. Yeah. 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 Right there. Like right on the cusp of Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was going, do you want? The lawyer was looking at us and everyone was like, do you want to still do this deal? And I think the owners were in a hurry to do it thinking we were going to back out. Obviously you got financing. Was that tricky? No. Maybe not. Obviously. Did you pay cash? I guess I didn't ask that. (laughs) No, the financing actually was probably one of the easiest things. We used a local bank here in town. And I think probably part of it is because we've got a W-2 and we had, say, other assets. We had the stuff invested in the syndication. So we were able to show all that. So I think they were comfortable with us. And then the other piece of it was, I think, the location. The bank president had actually looked at the property when it was for sale about eight years prior and was considering buying it. And so they knew location-wise, we wouldn't have any issues with keeping it full. And we've been blessed through COVID. We've had no non-payers. So everybody has been paying rent, a couple slow. And then we did have one person, and we talked about this, uh, Marie and I, we had cash for keys. We had one person that was causing a lot of issues right after we took it over. We gave him some money and said, hey, we'll help you go find another place. And they took it and ran, and we got a new tenant in there. We fixed it up, and they've been great. How did you determine how much money to give that person to leave? Well, that was interesting. Our property management company said, let's just write him a check for 500 or something. And I said, first of all, this guy's not a check guy. This guy's a cash guy. So we're going to hand him cash, not us, but the property management company. Mm-hmm. So here's the situation. His rent was around, well, we bumped it since then quite a bit, but it was around 750 a month. What he was doing was he wasn't paying rent, but he was subletting it to someone. So he was actually getting rent. We found out through the grapevine, through the other tenants, that he had a sublet that was paying him. So five hundred a month when he was getting seven fifty or eight hundred from someone else wasn't going to get him out. 
So we said, let's go with a thousand because we're going to bump the rent on this unit to 950. Mm. And this moratorium is just starting. So we're thinking this is going to go on for a year. We potentially could lose $10,000 or more from this guy. So we felt like a thousand cash was what was going to dangle the carrot for him. And the property management company said, he even said he would think about it for a couple of days. And then when they said, we'll give you cash. And then he signed the document to say he would agree to those terms. And then when they gave him the cash, I guess his comment was, cash is king. This is great. <laughs> but <laughs> he was not just not paying and subletting, but he was in fact doing all kinds of things on the property, intimidating tenants, playing music super loud. It's a really quiet community and village. Mm-hmm. And there were three other tenants threatening to move out because of him. Mm-hmm. But we probably also could have lost rent from those other units as well. So $1,000 was kind of a drop in the bucket to get rid of it. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes. But first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Knowing what you know, having asset managed the property as well as gotten in there on some capex stuff for a little over a year, year and a half, what would you differently if presented a similar opportunity on your next acquisition? Maybe you didn't do it wrong, but what would you do a little differently on the next deal if it's an exact same 12 units, similar block, similar challenges, and now you've got another chance at operating it a little differently? Yeah, I think one thing would be restructuring the deal so we didn't have to come out of pocket for as much of the CapEx. Mm -hmm. We probably would have been willing to offer full price or even a little more if we could have worked some of the CapEx into the loan proceeds. So I think that's looking back, we had the capital, but especially going through COVID and the worry and that type of stuff, would have been nice to probably hold some of that back, but we felt we needed to do it to improve the place, to tell the tenants that, hey, new owners are here and going to make improvements, but it would have been nice to be able to finance, like fixing the parking lot and, and putting new lighting in. So in the future, I think we will definitely look at how we could get more proceeds out of the closing to go ahead and take care of some of the CapEx without having to come out of it straight out of pocket. Mm-hmm. Anything come to mind for you, Anne-Marie? I think another thing that we do differently is when we were looking at property management companies, 
we only looked at a few and looking back now and learning, we've learned a ton over the last two years and we still have a lot to learn. But one thing we did learn is we didn't really vet the property management company properly. So I would say that when I say vet, I mean, we did ask them certain key questions, but we didn't really get as transparent with our business plan as we could have. And I think we could have done a better job on the front end saying, when a unit turns, this is what we picture happening with the unit. This is what we want to do. This is the rents we're trying to achieve. We did tell them what rents we were looking at, but we didn't really tell them the steps in between that we were looking to do. So I think we kind of caught them off guard on the first few turns because when you take over property, a lot of times a couple of turns happen right away, new ownership, and immediately the maintenance, was busy time, it was the summer when the first turns happened and COVID happened and they were short some staff, but when it went to saying, okay, we want everything from new flooring to all the cupboards painted to new vanities, you know, new fixtures, new trim. It was more than they were used to. Mm. Yeah. They were used to like the quick turns, just steam clean the carpet, do a small little rent bump or no rent bump and just kind of keep going. And I don't think they foresaw that we're going to do moderate to heavier turns on some of the units because some mm-hmm. of these units neglected. It's a 1960s building. They were not only neglected, they were out of date. And to get the rent bumps we wanted, we're going to have to do some considerable changes in the unit. So I think just being more transparent and more direct with what we were trying to do instead of muddling through it on the first turn would have been better. What are the rent increases that you are achieving and how much per unit are you investing on those turns? So most of the stuff that we're turning, like for instance, we're turning one right now that just moved out. They were paying $750. We're going to bump it to $975. For this unit, we're doing some of it ourselves. And I think it gets back into ensuring that real estate professionals, so trying to show that active involvement. But for this unit, we're going to put in probably about $3,500 to get it. We're putting new flooring. We're doing the painting, doing some updates in the kitchen and that type of stuff, the bathroom. Uh, you can get $225 rent increase on that $3,500 renovation, not including your time. Well, if we weren't part of it, it would be more than 35 Right. Yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah, I get that. But not including your time, which is a lot of money. But yeah. just without including your time, it's $3,500 in order to get a $225 rent increase. Yes. Yes. That's a 77% return. That's pretty good return. <laughs> Again, not including your time, but still, those are some favorable numbers as an investor. Yeah, we didn't put a lot of time into this one. Depends what your definition of that is. But the reason we chose to assist on this one is our kids. It's kind of it's kind of funny, but a quick side note, they want mountain bikes and want double suspension mountain bikes. We have six children. Mm-hmm. And we're like, we're not buying everyone just a brand new double suspension bike. <laughs> <laughs> We said when they work at the units with us, which isn't that often, it's more in the summer, we pay them. We pay them all different hourly wages depending on their age. So our one son, we pay him more than he gets in his job, more than minimum wage. So we said there's a short spurt of time, three or four days, we're going to go paint. If you guys want to get these bikes, we'll give you half the money for the bike. You got to raise the other half. And here's your opportunity. You want to come paint or just clean up behind us, whatever. You can make half the money. And we'll pay you for it. So Love it. That's, that's why we did this unit this way. Typically, the last few units, like in our five unit, we were not involved in the painting or the flooring. Got it. 
That's great. That's beneficial for many reasons. Is there also benefit there from a tax standpoint, paying your kids? I'm vaguely familiar with something where you can pay your kids and- Yeah, I think you're right. We talked to our accountant, but I think we can pay each one of the kids. I think it's up to 6,000 and that comes off of the business income and they don't have to worry about paying federal income tax on that money. So yes, it's a way for us to- pay our children through the company. And it's obviously an expense on the company that our kids get to take advantage of. And we're firm believers in this is a family business and everybody partakes in it. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business or maybe you've tried, but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend, Michael Blanc, who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now, and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more, text the word Joe. J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind, and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-up boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial. For a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. And Marie, how many hours a week do you work with your licensed physical therapist role? Currently, I'm not working with the role. I've kept my license and my education up. I'm helping people pro bono on the side, friends and family that need help. But I'm currently staying home homeschooling with the kids. Oh, wow. Homeschooling. Okay. And you got six kids? 
Yes. Okay. All right. So the question that I was setting up is still relevant because Jeremy, you retired, but you're now flying 747s overseas for UPS out of Anchorage, Alaska. Yes, sir. So how do you two prioritize your time? Because you've got six kids. One of you definitely a full-time job and Jeremy, I don't know how many hours you're doing, but I assume it's more than 10 per week on average. How are you prioritizing? Well, I think a couple of things. One, we learned to time block. We knew about time blocking, but not as detailed as Anna Kelly, our coach. She really taught us more in detail and modeled in our personal coaching time with her how to do that. So I think that has really helped. Also, with Jeremy being active duty military, it was a lot busier in some ways than it is now in that he flies 14 days a month now, but he has 14 days a month completely off. So the last three weeks he's been home and he's been helping and we've been doing more on the real estate side, more networking, more things to grow our business. For me, I'm doing the homeschooling from about the hours that's nine to three or nine to two. I do drive around for different activities, but my senior's driving now, so that helps. But what I'll do is your nine to midnight, nine to 11 shift. I do a lot of those things. Sometimes we'll do the networking in the early evening. And I will do the asset management type things in the early to mid-afternoon. Sometimes you have to do things in the morning and then I'll have the kids, okay, I'll direct them on what they're doing independently or two of them are helping each other. But it's kind of a, a rotating juggling act a little bit there, but just kind of trying to find those blocks of time. Taking a step back, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, I think for us, we really felt a couple things. We feel like there's some non-negotiables that we have, and it's taken a, a little bit of time to develop. When we're looking at a deal, when we're looking at a partnership, we have certain foundational things that we agree on that we're looking for. So I think sticking to those and not getting really excited about a deal or an opportunity and jumping in too quickly or a partnership. I feel like partnership is a marriage with someone else. And we want to be aligned and we also want to be transparent with our financial situation and their financial situation so that you're not jumping in and then finding out later there's a hitch in there and somebody's finances aren't going to work for that deal. So we feel like those things are foundational things. And it sounds really simple, and I think it is, but sometimes it's hard to stick to your guns and stay with that when you're in the excitement of, of deals and partnerships. Or there's a pressure to get into a deal. And I think we're fortunate that a lot of our real estate income that we've got, we're not living off of that. So that has helped us out as well as we're able to vet the deals and say, does this really make sense for us as a family? And then like I say, the non-negotiables, if it doesn't really meet that, then we're okay just passing on that and being patient and waiting for the next opportunity. What deal have you two lost the most amount of money on? We got into a deal... It was a flip of its four units in Dallas. And this one was essentially, we were providing the debt fund for it. And essentially we got caught up in COVID or the team of contractors got caught up in COVID. And it was supposed to be in and out in a year. They were going to get everybody in as soon as the leases were done, move them out, do complete renos, and then get them released up and then have the, the entire place sold within a year. That didn't happen, obviously, with COVID, contractors, lockdowns, all that type of stuff. We finally, or the team finally got the last property sold in June. 
So it was almost a two-year hold versus a one-year hold. So we ended up losing about 20% on the money we put in to that deal. How much um, did you put in? So we each put in 100. So we lost about 20 each. So about 40 total to that deal, just because really the business model didn't work because it got slowed down by an entire year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the flipping model. If presented a similar opportunity in Dallas, would you do it because you chalk it up to, hey, that was COVID or would you not do it because, okay, it was COVID, but also XYZ variables and I'm not comfortable with that. So I wouldn't do that type of investment. Yeah, it's something that we would think twice about in the future. We didn't do as good a job vetting the group either. We felt the debt fund, okay, we're just going to get X amount of return. We're not into it for the equity. So I think we would really think hard and fast again about a model that is really predicated off of a one-year time span. Mm -hmm. Um, So so yeah, probably do some more homework. And It sounds like you would pass. I think so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fair yes. Enough. We're going to do a lightning round. You two ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes. Yes, sir. All right. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? So for us, we, as a family, over Thanksgiving and Christmas, we join up with a regular gospel mission here in town. And we go to different apartment complexes, let the lower income Section 8 areas, and we deliver meals with them. We bring joy to them, have conversations. How are you doing? Pray for them. That's one we would love to get back. The second way is our long-term vision is to use the proceeds from real estate to purchase a wellness ranch healing place where we can continue to give back to veterans of PTSD and help them get well and get back on their feet again. I'll keep me posted on that. And if there's anything I can do to help out with that, how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you two are up to? So if they want to get in touch with us, we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, all the social media sites, our email is sparrowequitymanagement.com. And those are probably the best ways. Jeremy and Anne-Marie, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for talking in detail about your experience, both as a LP what's worked what hasn't worked and as a gp those 12 units contractors debt closing being covid closers and the business model that you're employing and setting expectations with the property management company prior to a closing so thanks for all the insights you shared and your experiences hope you two have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon thank you so much joe appreciate it appreciate it joe all the best thank you